Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner! That's how you start over. What's up, everybody? One PGA Tour event in the restart now in the books. The Charles Schwab Challenge won by Daniel Berger this past week. This week, we're coming to the RBC Heritage. I'm Jason Sobel. He's Peter Jennings. This is the Action Network Podcast Golf Edition. As always, we start off with something actionable. Peter, I know a lot of people are going to be on players who played last week. They're all zigging that way for some recent form. I might be zagging this week. Hmm, I'm just kind of throwing that out there. Somebody I like who's making uh, their first start back after the schedule restart. How about you? What are you thinking this week? I'll, I'll zag as well. I'll be buying uh, a guy who I think will play really well here, has played really well here. That's Matt Kuchar. Uh, coming off a missed cut where he made a sixth on the 18th hole, and I will be looking to invest in Matt Kuchar in a variety of formats. We will get to all of the impending action at Harbortown Golf Links, one of my favorite places. I, I love that tournament. I uh, love covering that tournament. Won't be there this week, but uh, really fun one to be at. Before we get to that, just real quickly, mention the Charles Schwab Challenge. Uh, that was uh, as good as could be expected, as I mentioned, not only from a sort of safety and health perspective, but also uh, we who love golf and love watching golf and are ingrained in the game would have said, hey, Give us an average leaderboard with some guy winning by four on a Sunday afternoon, and at least there's something on TV for us to watch. Give us a bunch of really, really good players up on the leaderboard and a roller coaster of twists and turns down the stretch. And, I mean, that was some really fun, entertaining, dramatic action that we had uh, going down uh, the final holes and into the playoffs at, at Colonial. Yeah, it was awesome. And if you're betting on it or playing DFS, uh, so many players that were popular that were right there. And heartbreak for a lot. But if you were on Daniel Berger, that uh, must have been pretty sweet. Uh, You know, made the putt on 18 and then closed out the playoffs. So congrats to Daniel Berger. You know, Peter, I was on Daniel Berger. Humble brag. No, I was on him. Like every single tournament this year except for this past one. And I mean, it was really, I mean, I I had him in Phoenix. I had him at the Honda. I picked him to win the Honda outright. I loved him there. It was just a few months ago, two starts ago. And uh, it's almost like it was staring us in the face. Daniel Berger has now won three times on the PGA Tour. They've all been in the second week of June. The first two, of course, came in Memphis. And oh, by the way, Rory McIlroy, who had never played Colonial before, was asked in his pre-tournament press conference, what does this course remind you of? And he goes, yeah, you know, sort of like TBC Southwind, which is where they play in Memphis. I mean, it was like, it was staring at us like one of those neon signs blaring Daniel Berger, Daniel Berger, Daniel Berger right at us, Peter. And and we just somehow didn't quite catch it. Yeah. I uh, didn't have much Daniel Berger at all in DFS. Uh, You know, saw some, some decent live lines laid on him as a little bit of a hedge, but uh yeah, uh, not enough Daniel Berger, but it was a really fun week, and you mentioned it was a star-studded field. So uh, I was so happy to have golf back, and we have another great field, and hopefully we'll have half as good a finish as we had last week, and I'll, I'll be thrilled. Yeah, and not to 
you know, make us look like chumps totally. Uh, I was on Bryson DeChambeau. You were all over Colin Morikawa. So uh, we did have some very worthwhile picks last week. And Morikawa, I, I know we're going to get into it more as we start talking about Harbortown, but Morikawa is just dialed in right now. And the kid is so good. I think we tend to forget. I saw a picture on social media yesterday that of he, Victor Hovland, and Matthew Wolf at Colonial last year getting an award as the top collegiate golfers. That was a year ago. And this year, he's in a playoff at Colonial. I mean, this guy's going to be around for a long time, and he's also one of the most mature young players that I've ever, ever come across. Just a, a really good kid. So, in any case, um, we move on. We move on to – a, a very similar golf course uh, as far as one where the shorter hitters at least have a chance at Harbortown like they did at Colonial. And yet the big, bigger hitters, it's not like you count them out because they can uh, sort of reel it back from hitting drivers off the tee and be able to hit irons off the tee and still compete and contend around this one. Uh, where are you kind of starting this week? And uh, let, let's look at the top and who do you like at the top? Because quite frankly, I know who I like in the middle. I know who I like in the bottom tier. I'm not really sold on a lot of guys at the top right now. Yeah, definitely an accuracy golf course. Uh, it's really important to do that, and that brings a lot of guys into you know play that normally aren't at, at Bombers tracks, similar to last week. And we'll have a little bit of that just in general to start the, the you know with the tour coming back. So uh, I'm looking at, at guys who are more accurate that benefit with uh, you know not having to hit drivers super far, but. Uh, there's absolutely a nice way to be contrarian with DFS and take some of those guys. I was on Co-Crack last week, which which paid out, uh, you know, a big driver of the golf ball. And the guy at the top that I, I will be buying for sure, especially at the prices, uh, is John Rahm, coming off a miscut. Uh, mm. Looked a little rusty, didn't putt the ball well, but still hit the ball great. He's amazing off the tee, and I think he can, you know, hit that squeeze fade around this course a bunch. Uh, and I'll be buying regression on John Rahm. You can make a case for all of them. JT's an incredible iron player. was mm -hmm. right there at the end, too. Rory, you know, had a bad Sunday, but he's still the best player in the world. Uh, Morikawa, you know, was all over him last week. Uh, still love Morikawa. This week, I think it's a you know, great fit for him. The one downside with Morikawa is the value. Uh, you know, instead of being 45 to 1, he's now 25 to 1. Yeah. Instead of being you know, 9K on DFS, he's approaching 10K. So the value on Morikawa has gone down relative to where it was last week, but still liked him quite a bit this week. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said there. I, I think it's very important for people to understand, and because we have really no recent history to rely on, recent history is just last week. And so because that's the only thing we have to look back on, I think people are going to overvalue the guys who played really well and undervalue the guys who didn't play very well. And John Rahm's a perfect example of, Hey, he missed the cut. He must not be playing well. I'm going to fade him for a while. That that's probably not going to work out too well for you. But I mentioned off the top, Peter, the guy that I like the most this week ranks third in strokes gain T to green so far this season. Hideki Matsuyama didn't play last week. This to me feels like a perfect Hideki Matsuyama type of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, talk about a guy who was hitting the ball as well as anyone. Uh, got robbed at the Players' Championship, if we're being honest. I mean, starts off yeah. leaving the tournament, gets canceled. You know, I think it was the right choice with everything that's going on in the world, and COVID's a huge challenge. But nonetheless, trending hard before, uh, you know, the 91-day the layoff. And I agree with you. I think he can play exceptionally well here, and I absolutely want to be buying Matsuyama. Might not have as much recency bias, given that he didn't play last week. So, uh, you know, people – 
might still think, oh, he was playing great before, but some of the more casual fans didn't see him on the leaderboard last week because he wasn't playing, and maybe that will keep his value in terms of ownership a little bit down. So I'm with you. I think he's a really interesting uh, pick. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I want to get to the mid-tier a little bit as we just kind of talk about some guys. I, I'm, I'm scared of Kevin Kisner because I picked him to win last week. He played okay. And this is another course where he's played really well in the past, uh, twice in four tries, has had a chance to win on Sunday. And I, I can't go and pick a guy two weeks in a row, and yet I don't want to jump off of Kisner right now. So Kisner is among a long list of sort of good old Southern boys who uh, like to go hunting and fishing uh, when they're not on the golf course in South Carolina. And uh, I, I would put Brian Harmon and Harris English and Lucas Glover and Russell Henley and Matthew Neesmith all on that list, uh, you know, varying degrees uh, and varying odds and varying DFS prices. But those are a whole bunch of guys who love getting back in the Southeast, love getting back on Bermuda greens and all those guys uh, could have some value this week. Uh, Who are you thinking in the mid and lower tiers this week? Yeah. Like a lot of the guys that you just named, I think there's a a ton of value in those type of plays and, you know, it sets up well for them. Throw another guy uh, in that mix, Bud Colley makes a lot of sense to me. Saw him last week as well. I like Bud Colley a lot pretty much a pick versus walking Neiman uh, in the matchup. So that's intriguing to me. Basically, any of these shorter hitters, uh, I think, are going to get a nice little bump. You know, Matthew, Matthew Fitzpatrick's played well here. Billy Horschel isn't exactly really short. He played well last week, couldn't make a putt, especially on Sunday. I think it's a good course for him. So uh, a lot of these accuracy guys I'm looking for. I, I mentioned Ryan Moore last week as another guy. I think it's another good course for him. Uh, so a lot of those type of players are going to pop for value. And then again, in DFS and in you know other formats, you might be able to get some of these bombers as value as contrarian picks or even embedding just because they don't have the course fit. So uh, I'm looking at that angle as well. Yeah, I like a lot of that. A lot of that makes sense. And uh, there's a guy who's played well at Harbortown in the past, and we've got him joining us right now. Longtime PGA Tour veteran, host of Inside the Ropes on SiriusXM's PGA Tour channel, and most importantly, a good friend of mine, I see over at West Orange Country Club all the time. Carl Paulson, what's up, CP? Thanks for joining us, buddy. To take a, a little page out of uh, Sobalisms, what's up, fellas? <laughs> I did not realize I do that, and I don't think I do that on every show that I go on, but for whatever reason, I go on with you and Dennis, and I started out with, what's up, fellas, every single time, and now I'm like, very self-conscious about it. I don't know. Well, we didn't get it the other day, and we spent five minutes of your interview talking about What's up, fellas? So that's how important it is to us. So make sure that when you come on, what's up, fellas? You also called me by the wrong name. Now, first of all, people think you you do a show with Dennis Paulson, former PGA Tour player. You guys have been confused for each other. You don't look alike, but same last name, same spelling. You guys have been confused with each other for years. I came on your show the other day, literally half an hour before the show. You and I had been talking about something. We had a little phone conversation. Like I said, we talk all the time. Yeah. And then I go on your show, and you go to introduce me. And you said, now joining us, Brian Sobel. I, I mean, Jason Sobel. And I go, dude, did you just get my name wrong? So I absolutely should have introduced you as Dennis right there. Well, there's no, there's no question you should have. You missed the perfect opportunity. I will say this. I was reading the leaderboard, and Brian Harmon was in the lead at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I mean, we hang out every other day. Give me a break. Okay. The reason you're on here and I, is because, first of all, I've threatened to have you on this pod for like two years now and finally called you on Love it and it. said I'm going to do it. And, and you owe me like 12 favors. Second reason is because you went to school at University of South Carolina. You're a Gamecock. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, They're in Harbor Town in the state of South Carolina. And, oh, by the way, you had a nice little third-place finish there back in the day, so we can get some some good um, breakdowns of the course a little bit and then kind of what it takes to contend and play well on this golf course. But before we get into that, CP, I want to ask you, you have a very unique perspective as sort of half-tour pro, half-media guy, and you've kind of gone – you know, mm-hmm. back and forth and done both things for a long time now. And looking at, because as you know, we at the Action Network cover things from a gambling perspective, as both a player and sort of a media guy, not sort of a media guy, you are a media guy. What does gambling and fantasy and DFS, what does all that mean to the game of golf right now? What does it mean to the PGA Tour? And how, how much do you look at it from that perspective? So I was really interested to see how this thing was going to all go about, right? So I'm playing devil's advocate, and I'm like, well, if somebody knows that somebody's bet $4 million on them, you know, for somebody else to win in a three ball or whatever, and then the tour really was making sure that they were only going to make positive bets and everything. And then I started, we started doing DraftKings with my show, just the weekly mm-hmm free thing it's not even it doesn't cost anything to play and we give out some prizes for the majors and stuff and just having so much fun with that and fantasy football by the way sometimes i'm an x player sometimes i'm an x player if i shoot 66 i'm an x player if i shoot 74 i'm an x i've so never that's seen you goes. shoot 74 yeah yeah even with five uh, clubs we go out five clubs <laughs> and you go and shoot I'm better with five clubs, better with five clubs. Same. But anyway, so I started seeing kind of the light from, you know, a a different perspective. And I'm all in, man. I am 100% in. And the reason why I'm in, and to answer your question in long form, evidently, I think we're going to double our fans in a span of time that's less than 24 months from when they they said – we now have gambling on, on sports and all the states started getting along and getting on board. And we have people that dabble in golf that are plus six handicaps in gambling. We now have a new fan. Carl, you're making me so happy right now. And I think, you know, I grew up, I, I like Tiger Woods. I watched, you know, the majors. Now betting and playing DFS on golf is my favorite sport by a million. Uh, I'm refreshing the app nonstop. I'm watching every bit of live coverage. I am a subscriber to NBC Gold. I want as much PGA Tour content as possible. Uh, What other types of engagement are you excited about? What what else do you think uh, that gambling and DFS is going to bring to the game? And what would you like to see now from a media perspective? What what changes do you think, you know, the tour could make that would be even more appetizing for the golf? Like me personally, I would love to see like, the red zone of golf. Like I know they have to show the favorites and whatever, but you know, I like Bryson, when he made that Eagle, we never saw it. And that was huge for right. the contest. So what other stuff would you like to see from that lens? Well, I, I'm going to take a, a, a page out of my wife's book and we were watching golf one day and somebody dropped an F bomb and it made it on air and they started apologizing. And, and Heather looked at me and said, who's never, she's played golf three times in her life. Uh, looked at me and said, you know what golf needs? It needs a channel for guys that are only putting for bogey or worse. <laughs> and yeah. it is, it's full on a cussing aloud. Mics are wide open. Uh, it's a pay-per-view thing. And I was like, that's brilliant. Absolutely. So brilliant. Too. To answer your question, I, listen, I don't know. I think we can get a little bit more up to date, uh, like it, it more in real time with some of this betting. I know we saw a little bit of it in the match. 
Um, but uh, I, I'm not exactly sure how it works. I'm not smart enough to figure this stuff out. There are way smarter people than me figuring this stuff out. But, I, you know, uh, who's going to hit it the closest on the, the, you know, the next part three out of each group that comes through? Dude, I can sit there and bet five bucks on that all day with every group. I mean, you know how much fun that would be? So just maybe a little bit more up to the moment, a little bit more live action. I know that's difficult, but I, I think that would be really cool. Uh, well, CP, it was amazing how we haven't seen golf in three months. Everyone's uh, just gearing up for the PGA Tour to come back. Everyone can't wait for it. And then how much bitching there was on social media this weekend about the coverage and they missed this. Now, Peter made a great point. They, they missed Bryson DeChambeau's eagle. They missed – they, they can't get it all complaining though. so much. They can't get it all. But but here's my point is that what do they need to do? I, I've been in favor of just, you know, like starting from square one on the telecast. I think a telecast should look, uh, first of all, like pop-up video. But one of the big things they're talking about now, miking up the players. And apparently only one player, Ricky, wanted to be mic'd up. And Does that add anything mm -hmm. to the broadcast or no? No. Listen, the best thing on a broadcast – and by the way, all the people that are bitching about the broadcast, really, dude, 90 days without golf, I mean, give me a break. I'd have watched it in silence. Seven guys on the 18th green, mm -hmm. and one guy made a putt on 18, and that was the winner of the tournament. I mean, it was so perfect how it, how it ended up. We need shot tracer, shot tracker, top tracer, whatever the hell it's called. It's changed its name like four times in the last mm -hmm. six months. It's like the Champions Tour. I just call it the Champs Tour now because who the hell knows what the name of that tour is. Right. We need it on every shot. We need it on chips. We need it on every single shot. That would make the viewing of golf so much better. Yeah, I totally agree. And with gambling and DFS, I actually like watching. I mean, I'm with you. Before, when I was younger, I could have fallen asleep for sure watching golf. But now that I have action on all these things, I'm sweating, especially like Friday – the cut is so important for my DFS lineups and, you know, all the gambling stuff. And I love the Masters because you can watch every player hit every shot. And a lot of times you'll never get to see, you know, the guys. Like I was sweating more cow the whole week. And, I, you know, I saw him a couple times the first day, but then you see him a lot over the weekend. So I love – I hope long-term we'll be able to see every shot, um, which I think is a huge thing for the tour. Yeah. The shot tracer, for sure. You realize just how pure ball strikers. Like, watching Morikawa hit iron shots, I mean, my goodness. Not even close competition. He is the best iron player since Tiger Woods. And it's not even close. Wow. Wow. Love it. That good, huh? Dude, it, it's insane. I don't know how somebody can have that much face control over a club when they're swinging that fast. Now, he, mm -hmm. he doesn't hit it super long, but, you know, he hits, still hits it 295. To square the club face – as consistently as he squares it, he's got just a touch, and, and you'll appreciate this, Sobs, Brian. He's got just a touch. <laughs> Killing me. <laughs> uh, he's got a touch of Joe Duran in him. It's oh, yeah. 10 feet on every hole. When he starts making putts, he's going to win twice a year. It's as simple as that. As a guy who, and I only mention this because you've been on social media, I want to uh, get too much into your private world, but congratulations. You just kind of went on a diet, lost a lot of weight. As a guy who's done that and is still trying to play really good golf, what do you make of Bryson DeChambeau putting on all that weight? Do you say, oh, man, I got to gain it all back and, and then some so I can go out there and mash it 380 like Bryson? Uh, no, I, I kid, but 
What do you make of Bryson putting on all this weight? Yeah, so here's the good news for all of us that are thinking about who is now going to take that step. 99.8% of the people in the United States are way too lazy to do what he's done. Yeah. So they're yeah. out. So we got 10 pros that say, I'm going to be like Bryson. Nine of them are out. We might have one that actually does the work. And I'm not talking about like HGH and all that stuff. I mean, going in the gym and putting the muscle on. I got to tell you, though, and this is not a PC thing to say, but Bryson looked fat as hell last week. He's bulky. Like pecs up, he looked like a bodybuilder. Pecs down, he looked like me 30 days ago. What he's trying to do, if he looked like a bodybuilder, it would probably be something wrong with it. Like I, I agree. I, I kind of get the whole like, hey, I'm not trying to be just super fit. I'm just trying to be bulky so I can swing it harder and swing it faster. Hey, when I say he looked fat, I was doing air quotes because he's still skinnier than 97% of the people in the world. He just had a little bit of a gut. And I was like, looks like he had a good quarantine. Brooks Kepka looked like he had a nice quarantine. But you know what? I think that's okay in the game of golf. It's all right to carry a little bit of weight in the midsection, and especially for a guy like Bryson. I mean, look, everybody got on Bryson when he said he was going to do this, and we were like, what the hell's the matter with you? You won five times in 18 months. You know, you've got this awesome career, blah, blah, blah. Just plot a little bit better, and everything will be fine. Next thing you know, he comes back, looks like a little miniature Incredible Hulk, and we were all kind of laughing at him. Well, guess what? He's gained 25 yards and four percentage points on hitting the fairway. That makes zero sense. Guess what? If he turns into a halfway decent wedge player and a halfway decent putter, he wins three times a year. Yeah. Just real quickly, you know, I, I see Bryson and he's gained all that ball speed. It's incredible. But then you have two guys who weren't lacking distance, already really long players. They're both at the top of the leaderboard that went the other way. Kokrak? And Gary Woodland, both those guys lost a lot of weight, and they're thinking about the longevity. So I like to see that. I like that the players are experimenting with their bodies, trying to maximize their game. And I don't think, like you mentioned, I don't think everyone can turn into Bryson. And we'll see. I mean, Gary and Kokrak both played awesome uh, with a lot of weight lost. We had Gary on the show during the, uh, the, the COVID break, and he said, listen, all I can do, start preparing for when we start playing golf. And then when this pseudo schedule came out, right, before the final schedule, they were like, okay, this is what we're thinking about doing. He was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be playing 12 times in the next 15 weeks. I got to get myself in shape. He lost like 20 pounds. He looked great this week, by the way. It, it all depends on what your goal is. Bryson's goal is to hit it 350 every time he hits it. You know, uh, Gary's goal is to – be in shape and healthy enough to play 12 out of 15 weeks. I think it's cool that we have uh, so many great young players and so many different players. I mean, Bryson DeChambeau is absolutely, uh, I mean, the tour needs guys like Bryson more than anybody else. I mean, we need weird, eccentric, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need that on tour. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I love the fact, I mean, one of my favorite things about golf is that there's no one right way to do it. CP, I mentioned off the top, uh, you've got some history at Harbortown. You had one really, really good finish where uh, you almost got it in there, but you've obviously played well around there. I know a lot of people, when we get to these tournaments, you know, guys sitting at home looking at analytics going, here's what it takes to win at Harbortown. You've really got to keep it in the fairways. And I know that because I looked at this and I looked at that. 
And sorry, I'm not making fun of Peter right there. That's seriously. Sorry, right. that's 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 me. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Accuracy you, course. You, you have you have been there. You have actually played this course. You have contended on this golf course. What does it take to play well on this course? One of the best gambling games that I've ever played is at mm. Harbor Town. Two foursomes. You are texting back and forth. The last person to hit a tree takes the pot, and whenever they hit the tree, everybody re-ups. And you put another 100 in, and, and the pot, the longest we've ever made it was to the eighth hole. Oh and I'm God. talking about with 16 people. I'm talking about with four people, two people. It doesn't matter. The eighth hole is the longest we've ever made it. So it is very much a point A to point B golf course. It, it is a golf course that you can't say, if I go out and hit 10 fairways today, I'm going to have a good round because you can hit 14 fairways and be absolutely screwed on every single one of those fairways that you hit, depending on what side of the fairway that you do, that you do hit. So if you plan on making birdies at Harbortown, you have to attack the golf course backwards. So you take a look at the pin sheet and you go, okay, front left. We're on the 11th hole. It's a little bit of a dog leg left hole, but they've got this huge tree that's about 30 yards short of the green on the right. If the pin's on the right-hand side and you hit it in the right-hand side of the fairway, you have zero chance of getting at the flagstick. They have overhanging trees all around the left. So if you hit it in the left side of the fairway and the pin is on the left, you have zero chance of getting at the flagstick. So we play Harbortown backwards, starting at the first hole. You, get, you don't even look at the yardage book. You don't look at, like, how far I need to hit it. You look straight at the green. Pin's back left. I'm better off in the right trees than I am in the left side of the fairway. There's about five or six golf courses like this left on the tour that you have to play backwards. Where's the flag stick? Where do I want to hit my second shot? That determines where my first shot goes. And it's every single hole except for the 15th hole because I don't know how to play that hole. I'm like <laughs> my average is like 5.7 on that hole. So don't take any advice from me on that hole. But the rest of the golf course, it is literally play the golf course backwards. A crazy cool golf course. I, I mean, what is it, 6,900, maybe 7,000? Yeah. And the same score won in 1975 that will win next week. Speaking of this golf course, last week you were on Jordan Spieth. You and Dennis were both on Jordan Spieth, their co-host on Inside the Ropes on Sirius XM PGA Tour. Uh, Peter hates Jordan Spieth, uh, at least. Hey, now. hey. I, I just I've, – I've been – Bearish on betting. You've been bearish on Jordan Spieth. Uh, I do have to say, I do have to say that I was on him for that specific tournament and that specific golf course. He has literally blown the field away at that golf course. Yeah. And I I, I will tell you this if I chipped and putted from where Jordan Spieth played, where Jordan (laughs) Spieth hit it this week, I would have missed the cut by seven and flown home on Friday night. You would have had four clubs left if you were playing the way Jordan played. He was in the lead. I would have missed a cut by seven. <laughs> it's insane how good of a putter that guy is. No way I'm picking him at Harbortown. Okay, then who are you picking? We're about to do our DraftKings lineup in a couple minutes here. Peter and I, we do it every week. Uh, give us a little insight as to who you like for this one. Listen, here's the great thing about Harbortown. Jason Kokrak could win that tournament so easily. And everybody goes, no, 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 he's a bomber. This is a terrible golf course for him. Really? The dude's hitting four iron off the tee to get himself in position, and I'm hitting a three-wood or a driver that's going the same distance as his four iron or his three iron. You're telling me that's not an advantage? 
I, I really think that Tiger should have played this week. The golf that he's playing right now is Harbor Town esque. You just beat me to it. I was about to follow up. How is Tiger not playing? Hitting three and four irons off of tees, hitting eight irons in degree. This is like perfect golf for Tiger. Not to mention the fact that Tiger's had a dream when he goes to, to bed at night for the last 25 years of playing in a golf tournament with no spectators around him, nobody yelling at him, nobody asking for autographs, nobody wanting his shoes and his hat and his shirt after the round. This would be perfect for Tiger. Why is he not there? The Yaki Market, Calabogi Sound, come on. Don't forget sleeping in your own bed on your own $50 trillion yacht right there at the quarter club, 75 yards from the lighthouse, which is 200 yards from the 18th green. I mean, come on, Tiger. Think about it. You have a better chance of winning this golf tournament than you have of winning Jack's tournament. Yep. I believe that 1,000%. And Shame you know what? If the tour well, wanted to keep that bubble, they could have just put every player on the yacht. All players and caddies on the yacht. The chef will cook up food for everybody. Yeah. I mean, he can hold Nobody he, gets he exposed. Can, <laughs> in sleeping bags and blow-up beds, I'm saying 45 of them could fit on there. I mean, big tour sleepover? What? If, I mean, if you're in the field at Harbortown and Tiger says, hey, CP, I want you to stay on my yacht. There's going to be a lot of people. I mean, we're going to be partying all night. You know, if you want some sleep, it's probably not a great idea. But if you want to have the best week of your life out on tour, you want to come hang out on my yacht, what do you say? I would say, as Ron White said, when somebody said, you want to come party on my yacht? Hell yes. <laughs> hey, listen. I almost got in a playoff that year that Jose Canceres and Billy Mayfair went into a playoff at an eight iron from 186 yards. They landed a foot from the hole and hopped over the green. I get up and down, and those guys get up and down from nowhere. So I've got a little bit of history, as you mentioned earlier, at this golf course. I would stay on the yacht, miss the cut by seven, get a divorce, uh, and have to change jobs. I'm in. Dennis Paulson, thanks so much for joining us, Dennis. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Enjoyed it. <laughs> that is my man, CP. Uh, he got my name wrong. Can you believe that, Peter? Yeah, that was that was awesome. And it's so fun to see your guys' chemistry. So uh, thanks so much for, for coming on, Carl. That was uh, really, really fun to hear you guys talk. And it's great to get his perspective. I mean, finishing, you know, right there, a top three finish. And obviously, uh, you've seen him play a ton of golf. He's an incredible guy. So that was that was fun to have him on. Yeah, I literally play golf with him probably three or four days a week and see him all the time, hang out with him all the time. So uh, I've been threatening to make him come on our podcast for a while, and uh, we were finally able to make it happen. So as promised, I want to get to the DraftKings lineup that we do every week. How did we do last week, Peter? We're okay. Uh, I think your picks were better than mine. I probably brought us down a little bit last week. Yeah, it was a, so a solid week, though. I think we did well. We had Ryan Palmer who missed the cut. That was a bummer, but uh... – yeah, it was a good week, and, uh, you know, I'd take Ryan again in that spot. Uh, I, I do, too. He, he was on the show. He was on the pod. You, you can't – I mean, that's just the rule of the pod is the guy comes on, you got to pick him. But uh, luckily, Carl Paulson not in the field this week, so we don't have to pick him. Yeah, so we have a clean slate. Do you want to pick first, or do you want me to lead us, lead us off? I think I picked first last week, and I think I screwed it up, so I'm going to give it to you. Okay. I'm going to go contrarian right off the bat. I mentioned him. I think John Rahm is uh, a really nice DraftKings pick at 10-5. Doesn't have the course fit. I mean, he, he does. I think he does everything really well, but uh, yeah. definitely benefits with the driver in his hand. So, especially after last week uh, and with guys like Xander, Morikawa, Matsuyama, who you like cheaper, Rose Simpson, another guy you could buy coming off a miscut. I think John Rahm might not be as heavily owned this week, and uh, I think he's a really strong pick coming off a miscut. 
Yeah, I like that. Boy, Webb Simpson is a guy who I absolutely struck out on last week. Uh, he was in close to a quarter of the DraftKings Million Maker lineups, and uh, that a lot of those were probably just mine. Uh, I think that I contributed mostly to that. He was probably in uh, 10% uh, without Sobel's lineups, and then he was uh, up to 25% with my lineups. And, um, yeah, I just uh, I completely dropped the ball. He dropped the ball. We can share the blame. But that said, I really like him again this week. I, I'm mm-hmm. not quite sure I want to pull the trigger right here, though. I told you off the top, I like Hideki Matsuyama's ball striking on this golf course. He's only played once here. He missed the cut. But that was six years ago. I really don't put much stock in that. Uh, you like Hideki at 9,500 going on this it. lineup? I think we have a great start to a squad, too, with uh, Ram and Matsuyama. So All I right. like I that. see a lot of value way down the list this week, so I don't mind spending the guys spending on the guys that uh, that we do like. Perfect. Well, I just mentioned a guy that I think is a really good pick again, Bud Colley. Um, I think this guy can't really putt as well, but I will continue to uh, invest in his ball striking. I think he's going to be able to hit a lot of fairways and a lot of greens. And uh, it's a really nice course fit for him at 7,200. Yeah, 7,200. That's a nice price for him. There's a few guys. Boy, I, I mentioned some of those, like, the good old Southern boys that I, I really like this week. I'll go with one of them here. I, I've been going back and forth. Lucas Glover, Harris English. Which one do you like better? <sighs> Harris English was chalk last week. Uh, missed the cut as well. Let's let's stay on that missed cut train. Let's go. I, I like both. I, I was I like Glover last week. I mean, I Talk about a great ball striker guy who's going to hit a lot of fairways and greens. He fits that mold. Let's just put them both in. So I like both those guys. Okay. We'll put them both in. And English let's see and Glover. That. And that leaves, leaves us, us with, with 8,400. There's a guy sitting at 8,300 that yeah. fits that, uh, that same bill that I know you, uh, you like in Matt Kuchar. Yep. So another guy made six uncharacteristic ball in the water. Uh, was playing pretty well, honestly. Uh, and that's Kuchar. Has good history here. A really good course fit. Uh, guy is just going to hit a bunch of cuts and uh, keep the ball in play. Uh, Kutcher, you know, a total grinder, uh, confident in his game, and it was a just rare missed cut for him. So I will throw Kutcher in there, and I think we have a really good lineup, uh, and we're, we're kind of fading recency bias, which I think makes a lot of sense this week. I, I love doing that this week. I think too many people are going to look at what happened last week, especially on a corollary golf course in Colonial Country Club and say, hey, uh, you had to be accurate there. You had to hit fairways and greens. You have to be accurate at Harbortown. You have to hit fairways and greens. And so the guys who played well last week, I'm going to carry that over, take them this week. Our six-man lineup, five of them played last week. Bud Cauley was the only one to make the cut. Harris English – no, excuse me, uh, Cauley and Glover both made the cut. Mm -hmm. English, Kuchar, and Rahm all missed the cut. Matsuyama didn't even play last week. Uh, that is our six-man lineup, leaving a hundred on the table. I, I just like so many different guys this week that I, I think you can be really creative with lineups and uh, and do a lot of different things this week and still put together some pretty good lineups there. Yeah, I love this squad. I think we have a, a great team. And uh, again, fade the recency bias. Take guys that that didn't play last week too. I think uh, you'll be able to get some nice ownership. And we didn't even talk about all the guys. You know, Ricky Fowler's really cheap now. Hatton yep. coming back. There's a there's so many compelling names. It's a great field, and uh, so excited we have the PGA Tour back. Yeah, and this is one of my favorite tournaments to watch, one of my favorite tournaments to bet on. Uh, look, it's a good week to do some live betting as well. You don't want to do everything pre-tournament last year. Not sure you could have picked out – or last four years, not sure you could have picked out Brandon Grace, Wesley Bryan, Satoshi Kodera, and C.T. Pan before those tournaments had started uh, at varying numbers between 40-1 to 1 and – 250 to one Satoshi Kodera 
that would have been a tough one to find. So uh, there should be some good value during this tournament. You'll want to keep your eye on everything moving up and down. We will be with you on the Action Network, actionnetwork.com, the Action Network app. For Peter Jennings, I'm Jason Sobel. Here's hoping you hit the green this week. We're finished talking.